And my grandfather wanted me to be a businessman, wanted me to own buildings. I was enamored by buildings my whole life. I sketched a lot of the buildings and concept that we designed. Andy Warhol said that the most fascinating form of art is business. I'm an artist. And this is philosophy, conscious capitalism, community enhancement, creating value, being obsessed with your end, end user client and their experience using data, using technology, but I'm an artist. And I have people way smarter than me around me that, to run the numbers because we're data freaks. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I am super excited today. I have Ari Rostegar here with me. He is a CEO of Rostegar Property Company. Ari's real estate investments span 32 cities, eight states, uh, multifamilies, mixed use, storage facilities. Uh, he's also renowned for his interest and dedication to a healthy lifestyle and is one of the preeminent thought leaders on biohacking and physiology. He's been featured in magazines like GQ uh, and Forbes. Uh, on top of that, he is a... Uh, he is a front leader in real estate investing and an overall uh, contributor to society. And I am excited to talk to him today. Uh, with that said, Ari, welcome to Money Talkers. You're, you're embarrassing me already. That, <laughs> I, I appreciate I appreciate the kind words. I'm a simple guy that, you know, um, didn't didn't come from anything and immigrant parents delivered, you know, flip burgers at Johnny Rockets in high school, delivered pizzas through college. Took me two community colleges before I got it to Texas A&M. And then, you know, when I was in law school, I borrowed $3,000 from my friend's dad and used my scholarship money to start my first investment business. So, you know, I was on the <laughs> bill side at five in the morning, you know, you know, pouring concrete, walking into law school, uh, you know, in work boots. And I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but, uh, but I'm a hard worker and uh, very much uh, honored to do what I love and um, help the people that, are around us and build beautiful things. And it's um, really uh, incredible to be able to truly know that you're in your heart and you're doing what you were born to do. And um, it makes coming to work much more pleasurable. It's still work as we know, <laughs> you know, but, um, but it's, uh, it's good to be doing it with the people you love and um, doing great stuff. So I'm honored to be here and thank you very much for the kind words. Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, it's funny. Um, people ask me what my favorite job I ever had was, and uh, it was delivering pizzas in college for Papa John's. I loved it, man. We had free, we had me and my roommate did, and we had a fridge full of pizzas every day. And uh, 
We're I making cash, there. man. I love those days driving around, listening to music. It was pretty funny, but I um... got a great, I got a great story for you about that. I delivered pizzas at Double Dave's Pizza at when I was at Texas A&M. Actually, I went to Blinn, I went to Richland Community College in Dallas first. I went to Blinn Community College, which is a feeder into Texas A&M. For those of you that know, it's kind of like Austin Community College into UT. It's kind of a feeder. Um, and I was an English major. I don't know what, you know, I'm not entirely sure what I was thinking at Texas A&M Agriculture and Mechanical University that I'd be an English major, but you know, the rest is history. Um, and it seemed still, to work out, right? Well, like, you know, and, and my dad said to me, you know, I didn't want to, you know, really even go to college or go to law school. And my dad's exact words to me were, you know, after you become a lawyer, you can be an exotic dancer for all I care, but you're going to be an attorney exotic dancer. You know? so, and so my bar is still in good standing. And the only reason I know that is because my dad reminds me every week to do my continuing legal education and keep my bar in good standing. So, uh, but I'll tell you a funny story that was, you know, that really, I um, not only pray about, but I remember a lot and it's, something that's really kept me grounded and um a remarkable remarkable thing happened and some of the viewers might be too young to remember you don't do you remember the under 30 minute delivery or it's free thing that domino oh, yeah. 30 or free right yeah under 30, 30 or free, or free. Yep. you remember that marketing yeah. thing. what was so the like, uh and they had that little uh the the noid or something what was that little Thing they had exactly right yeah. <laughs> so double dave's double dave's pizza obviously a much smaller so franchise did a similar thing and so we only delivered within a small kind of radius so to basically not be there in 30 minutes was almost impossible so it's a great service for the for the client but at the same time good marketing right if it's not there yeah. in 30 minutes whatever so um and I'll tell you, I was the best damn pizza maker you'll ever meet. I was there, you know, whatever I do, whether when I've been the janitor or the burger flipper, I always tell people, whatever you are, wherever are you are in your life, you be the best damn whatever that if you're a janitor, you be the best damn janitor the world has ever seen. And when it came to making pizzas, nobody makes a pizza as good as I do. I promise you that. Much. You know, you know, we might like, have to put that to the test one day. I flipped a few myself. So yeah, we flipped, uh, we flipped a few. I'll, I'll go toe to toe with you. We'll do a thing. We'll make, it's we'll been a while. Stuff. I might need to stretch out these fingers a little bit. Yeah, but it's we'll, been we'll a do while, that. We'll but... do. We'll, we'll do some warm ups and get ready. But you know, I'll tell you a story. Um, so there was a, a large delivery, and that's when you know we're making whatever two dollars and thirteen cents an hour you know, and then living off of tips and, you know, college kid life, right? And so we got a pretty big order, which is about 80 bucks, 80, $85. I can't remember the exact number. And where I was delivering was, I mean, I don't want to say I could see it from Double Dave's, but it was really close, okay? So I prepared the whole me, prepared the order. But what they didn't tell you is that if, if you were 30 minutes late, the server had to eat that money, not the company. Uh. <laughs> You know, devil's always in the details, my man. And I learned exactly. that as a lawyer. Small you know, print. It's, it's all this. Read the small print, right? And I've learned that. And I or, or even better, hire someone that reads small print for a living to read the small print for you. Well, right? and, and, then, <laughs> to and you. then trust them, and then trust them, verify, and be Ronald Reagan, right? Exactly. And so, yeah, I still read every legal document. I might be the only lunatic that still reads every <laughs> single you know legal document that we have. I'm that irritating we, bank ex banker that reads my loan docs and I read the whole thing, and the guy's just like, "Could you just sign it, man? It's like twenty bucks. Like, come on." Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a reader and. I'm I'm in the, those details, but anyways, you know, 
guy. We had the order. I want to say it was around 80, $85. And I'm, I might be flubbing the exact facts, whatever. So bear with me, but you'll get the narrative. Um, so I go prepare the pizzas, ready to go, walk out the door. And right when I go out the back alley, there's an 18 wheeler that's blocking the alley. And so I'm sitting here waiting, being like, oh God, this guy's never, so I'm honking the horn. I'm walking around trying to find the guy. He's not there, whatever. I go to turn the other way to get out of the alley. And there's another car that's parked too far out. And I'm literally stuck, almost basically about to do an Austin Powers and be like stuck in the middle of this thing. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like, is this Murphy's Law? Like, what's going on here? Like, I, I almost considered, and I, I should have done this in hindsight, is literally should have got out of my car and just walked there or jogged there. And I would have made it under the 30 minutes, right? And so you know where the story is going. So the 18 wheeler moved and I got out. And right when I pulled up to the stoplight, there was an accident right there at the stoplight. And so I'm stuck there at the thing, cops shut it down, stopped all traffic. Long story short, I get there in 40 minutes. And a man answers the door. It's like kind of a college house, but a, you know, in a nice area, whatever. And the man that answered the door, you could tell was a wealthy man, like not necessarily like flashy, but just very well put together, handsome, like, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know what shoes or what clothes, but you could just tell very well put together, and you just knew that he, that's not a poor man. Like he's a successful, elegant man. And right when he answers the door, he goes, what the, f it's 40 minutes. And I, and I literally said, look, I, you know, I'm reading that either you'll find a way you'll have an ex created excuse. And that's what made me think about it. And I just said, look, um, I could give you a bunch of excuses and tell you what it is, but uh, you're right. That's the thing. And here it is, it's on us, you know, no problem. And he goes, you want a piece of pizza? And I go, what? He goes, I'm just messing with you. Come on inside. I was like, these are my boys. They're going here to AM and I'm just visiting for the weekend, you know, buying them a couple beers and some pizzas, you know, whatever. And he goes, tell me what happened, by the way. And I was like, you really want to know? He's like, you know, yeah. And I told him and he's like, you're kidding me. It's like 18 wheelers, this. And then out their window, they could see that intersection where the where the parking lot was. And I was like, hey, let's go outside. I think we might be able to see it. So we walked out onto their back porch and he leaned over. He's like, oh my God. Like, not that he didn't believe me, but he saw it and he was like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. Like, you literally could have walked here and you know, this, that, and the other. And he was like, so what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I'm going to law school and you know, this, that, and the other. And he seems, he, he was like, you look very put together for a pizza delivery guy. I was like, well, whatever I do, I'm going to do it at the highest level. And you know, whatever, ironed my pants and was clean cut. He's like, I don't think I've ever seen a pizza delivery guy this put together. And I told him some of the stuff I was doing. We got to talking and I was walking out the door. You know, he paid the, you know, he paid the money for the, for the pizzas. And as I was leaving, he goes, Hey, come back here. And he pulled out a wad of cash and he gave me a hundred dollar bill. And he said, all that stuff you told me, just go do that. I love that that the way you started the conversation was one of the things that I will I preach till I'm dead in the face like I, I is to tell the truth, right? The excuses, you know, own it, you know, don't come in and, and, and just say, Hey, look, man, I messed up. 
Like yeah, if, we're not most people are more and more forgiving that way, right? Like if they well, it's not, came it's not in just and that. It, it, you're it's like, not, it's not my that. fault. Like, I didn't do anything wrong. We're I don't not care. perfect. Yeah. We're Absolutely. not. And I tell people like people will ask me in the investment business. So what's the guarantee? There's no guarantee. Yeah. That's the guarantee. I don't even guarantee I can not get hit by a car walking across the street. What I can guarantee is that I will work my ass off and I will look at every piece of data available to me and fight my ass off to make sure that it works. But I don't want to guarantee, I can't guarantee you anything. Like I don't can't, can't guarantee I'll be alive tomorrow. You know, so, and you hear those things, but one thing that I love that dovetails on the quote that I keep looking at is everybody that's listening you know, and I used to have this mentality, I'm guilty of it, of this victim mentality, okay? Yeah. It's never about resources. It's about resourcefulness. So don't give me this, I don't have the money, I'm this, I'm that. I came from immigrant parents. We grew up and needed government help. My apartment in law school was, you know, literally 180 square feet. You know, like, don't give me, like, I had a speech impediment and I'm not giving you a sob story, but for seven years of speech therapy, you know, community colleges, student loans, working 50 hours a week, being on the construction sites. If you want it, don't give me the reason. Don't, I don't want to hear, I don't have the money. I don't be more resourceful, not so, resources, resourcefulness. Let me ask you something about that because I, I, you know, 88% of, um, of millionaires are self-made, not inheritance, yeah. not, uh, taken right. from them. so, and you deal with some very high net worth individuals. No, well, I deal with public right? pension funds, family offices. Yeah. And and high net worth individuals. So most of our capital is high. We're a highly institutional firm. And yeah. obviously you have a nine figure balance sheet. You know, you know, we're, you know, I'm not playing. No, I know that. And what I want to know is because this show is about how parents can kind of talk to their kids, right? About money, about entrepreneurship, about these things. They and so what do you see? What do you see from those people? Do you see patterns in them? I, I see huge patterns. And I'll tell you something. I have three beautiful children. Okay. Kids do not do what you tell them. Kids do what they see. Period. End of discussion. You can tell your kid whatever you want to tell them, but they are going to be what they see you do. My kids want to take vitamins because they see me taking vitamins every day. They want to do what dad does. Doesn't matter what it is. Good, bad, or whatever. So if you're sitting drinking beers and eating burgers and you know French fries or whatever it is on the health side, that's what your kids are going to do. And for you to turn around and reprimand them for wanting to have burgers or drinking a soda when you're sitting there on the couch, you know, bumming out on Netflix drinking a Coke, shame on you. You be the example because they're not going to listen to your words. Sounds harsh. It's the truth. The truth usually is. That's the truth. Be right. the example. Be the example. You want your kids to learn how to set goals? Write your own damn goals up and put them on, the, on your mirror and talk to them about them. Say, these are mommy's goals. These are daddy's goals. What are your goals? Talk, but show them that you're doing it. Because yeah. if you don't show them, it won't work. What are your thoughts on this? So I, I'm very passionate I, about this oh, topic. As you can oh tell, no, I'm I love not kidding. it. No, I love it. So am I, because it's, it's so I, I have people that throw that excuse piece out, right? Like that we were kind of talking about a minute ago and they say, well, you know, I can't talk to my kids about money or I can't talk to my kids about the goals. Cause 
You know, I don't want them to ask me about the things I don't I've even done, but it's, don't, but it's don't, in the I past. Can't me. Don't yeah. I can't me. I, I don't, yeah. that, that word is not allowed in my company. It's not allowed in my house. We don't use the word I can't. But so I, so I feel like we're going to feel the same way about this, right? But it's, I don't think they understand that the money story has been written for them already, but they get to write the future money story, right? That's so right. the participation of like, okay, well, I haven't done well with XYZ. I don't want to talk about it. Well, now it's time in my mind that you need to talk about it twice as much and go on the journey with them. Because I feel like the kids are going to stand right alongside of you. And that's it, all it, they it, want it, is it, that participation. It's even, it's even more than that. Learning from our parents, we think that we need to learn the right things from our parents. That's not always true. Our parents sometimes teach us even more valuable lessons, which is what not to do. Yeah. I learned more from my own parents of what not to do than what to do, which was a blessing. They also taught me amazing things that to do, but most of what I learned was what not to do. So what were some of those lessons? Be a voracious reader. Mm. Both my parents are reading fanatics. And so I have been surrounded, and I know this is going to sound crazy, I read 10 to 15 books a week. Really? Oh, yeah. And I have for 20 years. My dad gave me Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill when I was 14 years old. I'll never forget the day he gave it to me. We grew up with books. At Christmas, you got books. We read <laughs> books. My mom was always reading stuff from all the way from and Rand all the way to, you know, religious, spiritual books, all the way to just, just funny romance novels. My, you know, my grandmother, you know, who passed away and who was technically my step-grandmother, but was my grandmother and my blood. And she would, you know, we'd look at pictures together, God rest her soul, you know, Grandma Costello, um, you know, to the day she died in her 90s, she was reading. And her mind was sharp, boy into her 90s that woman did not lose one thing she passed away lived a great life you know lost her husband you know about 40 years before she passed away but she was a voracious reader and watching my parents read so now my kids i walk around and i see them in my library picking up books looking through them thumbing through them but you look at my desk they're stacked up to here with books and they see that and both my parents had that and my grandparents on every side. So my stepdad's mom, my grandma Costello, voracious reader. So anytime he walked in the house, there was books everywhere. So I had no choice but to read. Whether we were reading, and she was very religious, she was Episcopalian. We went to church, we read the Bible. And I went with her and she took me with her. We read little books, she read out loud to me. I'm sitting there with my mom at bed, walking in to go kiss her goodnight or whatever it is. She has a book in her hand. My dad, same thing, books in his hand from crummy little, you know, fun, stupid little novels about mysteries all the way to Shakespeare and Emerson and Thoreau and the classics and the religious books. That was the greatest gift that I could have got because I was just surrounded by books. And that's what my parents did. So I had no choice. I read. And I started reading at four years old. I still remember the day that I read Green Eggs and Ham cover to cover. And my mom knew that I'd memorized the words. And I remember telling her, I read it. She looks at me and she's like, did you read it? Or did you, you know the words? I was like, no, mom, I, I read it. Like I read the book. And she was so happy. It was this huge moment. I was four years old. Fast forward, I went and bought the one of one original first sketch of green eggs and ham by dr seuss from the 1940s and it hangs in my children's nursery 
That's awesome. <laughs> so voracious reader, killer work ethic. Same thing I tell my kids. If you're going to do something, do it well or don't do it, right? Well, I, Make I would a decision. say it differently with all due respect. If you're going to yeah. do something, do it freaking with the highest level of excellence and integrity. Yeah, you either, you don't you do either kill it or don't, or just decide not to do it because don't do it don't halfway. Do it. Or yeah. just don't do it. No, yeah, no, make no. a decision, you, but you own, the, own the decision. Pregnant. You can't yeah. be half pregnant. Exactly. I always tell them, say, own the decision, right? If you're going to do something, own it. Own it and go right? all in. If you, and, and if you're and not going to do it, own that too. And excellence is a habit. Yeah. And so is losing. I love that. Excellence is a habit. That's Aristotle. Yeah. Excellence is a habit. Winning is a habit. Losing is also a f habit. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And the thing is, is that you can break habits and you can create habits. Abs that's right? the gift. That's, that's the best our part. Gift. That's yeah. the best part. Be honest. Look in the mirror, and you're not a procrastinator. You have the habit of procrastination. Mark Twain said it best. He said the difference between using the right word and almost the right word, following me? Difference between using the right word and almost the right word is the difference between a lightning bolt and a lightning bug. <laughs> so, so tell me this, man. Huge reader, you go to college, become an English major, you got to be an attorney, and you're a real estate investor. How did you shift into that? I, being a little crazy. Yeah. But Take knowing what my dream was, knowing that there was a better way to do it. And so my wrestling you... coach, and my wrestling coach growing up, who's a mentor of mine, his Italian cousin was the head of all conduit lending at Credit Suisse in Manhattan. And my grandfather wanted me to be a businessman, wanted me to own buildings. I was enamored by buildings my whole life. I sketched a lot of the buildings and concept that we design. Andy Warhol said that the most fascinating form of art is business. I'm an artist. And this is philosophy, conscious capitalism, community enhancement creating value, being obsessed with your end, end user client and their experience using data, using technology, but I'm an artist. And I have people way smarter than me around me that, to run the numbers because we're data freaks. Yeah. So I know you're extremely passionate about community and healthy lifestyles and those kinds of things. So what are some of the things that you would pass on as beginning points for people that want to start with their kids, start with themselves? Where do you, where would you suggest that they come in and they start? The number one place that they have to start is with health. Because if you don't have health, you have nothing. And they need to, we need to start getting away from this fast food, you know, instant gratification, nonsense. Eat whole foods, whatever you want to pick vegan, the, the, you know, go down the rabbit hole. Don't eat sugar. <laughs> Don't drink sodas. Move your body and start putting in real food in your body that doesn't have a label. If it doesn't have a label and it expires in a few days, probably a good start. I recommend more fish, more, more chicken, mostly leafy green vegetables. 
eat real food because if you don't have the energy, you won't do anything. And if you and you are what you eat, which is actually not true, you are what you eat eats is actually the truth. Eat wholesome food and make that a communal thing. Make it tribal in your family. Set an example by eating high quality food. Get out of cereal and milk and dairy and all that nonsense and eat real food. That's it. It's that simple and move your body and move your body. Even if that's just running a sprint with your kids down the neighborhood, just playing around, running in circles and throwing a Frisbee or just, you don't need to go to freaking the gym with your kid and run on a treadmill, but move your body, get your heart rate up and eat whole foods, real food. That's it. And if you do that, it's a cornerstone habit. It will lead into other things because your vitality will increase, your energy will increase, your mindset will increase, your cortisol levels will lower, so your stress is lower, you'll feel better about how you look aesthetically, and all of those things will give you the momentum to go rip the cover off the ball. Mm. Without health, you have nothing, nothing. So that's where you have to start, my humble opinion. <laughs> that's a very passionate opinion i won't put that as in a humble one that's a good one you know what i mean it's it's uh, humble in that it's my opinion yes i'm not saying i'm not passionate about my opinion yes yeah, opinions are like you know what's everybody's got them <laughs> and so as you as you go down that route and you're you're you know you've you've focused on health what and you go and you decide that you want to accomplish something how do you go through the mindset of what you want to accomplish? I write it down or I make what I call what, what I, I, it's not my term, but I use it. It's called a mind movie. I create images of the things that I want, the goals that I want with inspirational music clip from YouTube. You can make it on your iPhone in 20 minutes. I write those goals down, put them on my thing. And like Les Brown said, Napoleon Hill, all the great sages, read your goals twice a day, morning and night, read them out loud with passion and energy and believe that they're real. And I'm a student of self-help. I'm a student of Tony Robbins. My life coach, Lauren Zander, who I believe to be the best life coach in the world, who also coaches Hugh Jackman and a whole list of other people. You know, I focus on my goals, but I write them down in my handwriting and I read them, I think about them, I obsess over them, I visualize them, I replay them, I, I keep them even in my pocket a lot of times, just keep reading them to keep my mind focused on where I'm going. Because if you don't know where you're going and you put the wrong address in the GPS system, I don't care how much gas you have in the tank and how good your tires are and how good that engine is, you're never getting there. So if you don't know where you're going, you're not gonna know where you're going. Begin with the end in mind, right? Begin with the end in mind and just go. Yeah. And don't, and forget about the how. The how is none of your business. The what and the why. Know the what, know the why, and forget about the how. The how is none of your business. It's the universe job. You've got these in front of you constantly. You're saying them out loud. You're seeing what you want. How do you determine what the why is behind that 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 has to that's a that's a personal question for everybody my why is my children is my tenants is to build the future future of suburbanism is to build 
you know, the workforce housing, to build, to lower carbon footprints, to be a conscious capitalist, to do something greater than me. That's my why. But I'm not in the matchbook business. I'm not on the podcast. Like, meaning I don't, that's a person, that's personal. I know mine. Yeah. And it's not about me. And being humble doesn't mean thinking less of yourself because I'm obviously a very confident man, but I just don't think about myself very often. I'm a big fan of the humble approach. Okay. I got knocked down a couple of times and I needed to be right. And you, you and me both, my book comes out in April. Okay. And it's called the gift of failure. I'll send you a copy. I'm talking about catastrophic failures. Ones that kick you so hard that you don't think that you can live. So I know, but yeah. inside the introspection of those failures, were the seeds of all the greatest successes in the world. And now looking back and connecting the dots, I realized that life was happening for me, not to me. Yeah. Yeah, I've learned a lot more through my failures than I have my successes. Success the successes, they just, I, they, they're out of my mind the second I, I don't, they're over. I don't sell, everybody gets on me. My wife gets on me all the time about not celebrating my successes. <laughs> There's nothing to celebrate. I was supposed to do that. That's my job. That's what I set out to do, right? It's my job. Yeah. What are you talking about? So I, every day, someone needs to walk in and say, "Great job, Ari. You did, you did your. What are you talking about? Like I did my job. Yeah. You just I've said bigger jobs. Everything from my failures. Success yeah. taught me nothing. If anything, early in my life, the success that I had taught me to be an arrogant asshole. It wasn't <laughs> until I got kicked in the teeth that I started surrounding myself with believable people, took my ego out of the equation, and looked to, for the right answer, not to be right. Do you know that's what what really changed out of my my pretty large failures as well uh, is my why changed, and when my why changed my my outcome my you know my what didn't change a lot I mean I set them regularly but when I changed my why from inward focus to me like what I wanted to what do I want for other people what do I want for my kids what do I that's want it. for my family what do I what kind of legacy do I want to leave when I change that why. And the what didn't change so much because I keep setting them, but they're goals, you know, when I changed that why my life changed and my success rate changed, the outcomes I, changed. That's the formula. You, It's a formula. This is science. This is proven. This is the formula. Call it whatever you want to call it. Law of attraction. Call it thinking, grow rich. Call it Jim Rohn. Call it Tony Robbins. Call it whatever you want to do. But this is sage advice. The reason the Spurs are so annoying is they play fundamental basketball. The fundamentals are always the fundamentals. And you, when you master the fundamentals, like, like Messi did, if you can always count on him to make that short pass, you win championships. The frills and the and one and the through the legs and the the, 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 the the tricky, like, I don't win nothing. Those guys don't even make an NBA. Look at Tim Duncan, maybe the most boring basketball player ever to walk the earth, but a genius beyond belief. One of the leading scorers, five rings, a king in his own right, humble, beautiful, unbelievable man little boring to watch but five rings yeah one with david and four on his own that's greatness that's the essence of taking your ego out of it and winning team sports because life is team sports it's not tennis 
You know, that's a, uh, uh, that's a great analogy that life is team sports because it depends on who you pick as your partners as well and who you pick as your teammates uh, has a massive outcome on the, on the, on the, on the, on the, on the positions of the whole team. Yeah. Yeah. You get a ball hog and you're, you're, you're going down. We don't know. We don't, we don't, we, and we always say it. I'm not trying to be the MVP of the league. I want rings. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. The, uh, so how do you build that workforce culture in your, in, inside of what you guys do? Do you guys, do you go over it? Do you go, do you, do you, did you, did you state it? Did you. Business coaching, did, yeah. business coaching with our, with our life, with, with a, with a performance coach, the team gets involved in. And quite frankly, being here first and leaving last. They know yeah. nobody's working harder than me. Back to that point of the kids. Same thing with employees, same thing with staff. You lead by example. You show up, you hustle, and you go knock the cover off the ball. And if things go wrong, you take full responsibility for it. And you educate, you talk through it, you motivate, and you train people in such a way, like Richard Branson says, that they're ready to leave. Train them so well that they can leave and go start their own firm. And what you'll find is the irony is they won't want to leave. People are here at Rastigar because they want to be here. And they believe in our mission. We are not mercenaries. We are missionaries. Jeff Bezos. So how are you, what, what are you focused on in, in, in impacting with Rastigar? The few, po- building construction, the future of suburbanism, and what, what does that mean? What does that mean? So to it's, you? A, it's a term that we're kind of playing with, and I haven't we haven't figured out if we've coined it or not, or we heard it somewhere. But futuristic suburbanism is living in the post-COVID world, you know, of having homes that workforce work, you know, workforce housing that people can afford in this low interest rate environment with great parks, hiking, great amenities, a local coffee shop. And you know something that will would allow people to still have access within what I call the five dollar Uber ride, you know, to all the amenities, but still feel safe. Okay? So are you all building the entire community that way? Yes. I mean, is it, are you building? Yes. So you're you're doing planned master plan development. You massive plan in ter- development in terms of, and then we're also building five hundred twenty five thousand square feet of industrial right next to Tesla to support the growth of Austin. We're building a futuristic office building on East Eighth and I thirty five in Austin. We're building sixty condos in downtown Phoenix, and we're building one hundred and fifty condos on South First, all breaking ground this year, not counting everything else that we're doing. All right, so you're seeing Phoenix, Texas, Sunbelt. Yeah, I'm in Florida, right? I'm and I'm 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 next to the largest planned development ever in the history of the villages. I'm literally yeah, 15 minutes from there. I, it's I know, I know, I know it well. And um, I know the guys that did it. They did a great job. It was a tough deal. Um, we're they just doubled at tech, it. Tech-centered, yeah. uh, tech-centered cities in the Sun Belt: Nashville, Raleigh, Charlotte, Dallas, Austin, Phoenix. You know, even you know Oklahoma City, um, St. Pete, Tampa, Orlando. That's the future. And we want to be the places where the companies are going because that's where the jobs are going to be. Why do you think they're going there? For the exact reasons why they don't want to be in the, in the city, in the, in the states that they are because of the failures of those governments. Taxes are too high. Prices are too high. And it's hurting the corporate and it's trickling down to the employees. Why would I pay $10,000 you know, to live in San Francisco when I can live in Texas with no state income taxes and work remotely if I need to? And- doesn't make any sense so you're watching all that shift in real time right that's the data that you guys are driven by i live it yeah i live it and people are going to go back to the office people are tribal beings they're going to go back to the office 
you know, but it'll be different. Some job sectors won't. Like Salesforce said the other day, a lot of people can work from home, but those guys are coders. They're not, they're not, you know, client facing people. If you're client facing in any regard, business travel will come back. It'll be a K-shaped recovery. It'll take some time, but people want to be out. They want to be in the office. The data is there. Jamie Dimon said it best. Productivity has plummeted some people work at home. Yeah, I, I laugh because I think there's a lot of people. I think there's a lot of people who have been in an office for 15 years and were like, oh man, I wish I could work from home. And then they got home and they realized the dose of reality was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I need to be back in the office. <laughs> yeah, crazy you do. For me. You do. And by the way, we have the highest incidence of divorce filings ever in the history of the United States during this pandemic. We need space. <laughs> we need space. You need space. The kids need to be in school. Yeah. You can't just have all these jumbling things around you. There's too many distractions. There's too many, you know, it, it's, it's too much. Well, you don't turn that, you know, I, I used to call it like, uh, I don't know if you remember the movie Over the Top when uh, Sylvester Stallone's driving, you know, and he's he's oh, working out I that arm. Yeah, that and then he, what did he do? And he cut down and he was like the nicest guy and he the, flipped the, that the, hat, the, right? The hat turned. Yeah, man, he flipped that hat and all of a sudden it was go time, right? Like his and then per, the he took that and persona. And then boom. Yeah, he took that persona, right? And I, for me, like I, I I'm, I've gotten now where like there's, I've, I've worked fewer hours than I ever have, but I will say they are the most impactful hours that I can put together on the space of the things that I work on, because it's like that it's go time for me. When I turn the office hat on and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to hit this thing. I tackle the biggest, hairiest trigger. goal that I can find. You have your trigger. Yeah, absolutely. Mark I call Twain it the big talks, domino. Yeah. Mark Twain talks about frogs and he said, you know, if you got to eat a frog, Find the biggest one to eat it in the morning. My son's my son just turned seven yesterday. He's when six. So through this pandemic, I would take him jogging through my neighborhood, and his favorite thing to do at six years old is to run by and go, "Hey, did you eat your frog yet today?" <laughs> He'd yell at the neighbors. Love I him. told him the same thing. I said, "Buddy, whatever you're gonna do, find the biggest thing you got to get done and get it done first. And I said, everything else is is noise after you're that. You're good. You're a good father. You're a good right. man. I'm sure we've. Uh, um, you're a very busy man. You got a lot of stuff to do and. Um, uh, this has very much been a pleasure, my friend. Uh, man, I'm so happy to have you on. Already. I can share with you for, you know, I, I can share with you before um, we end this. And I hope we do many more of these. You're an amazing person. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. And um, I hope we do many more of these together. Our podcast is launching in about 90 days. And I'd love for you to be a guest on ours. I'd love to. Um, as well when the time comes. Yeah, I would love to. I'd love that. I uh, I think we have a lot of the same viewpoints on a lot of things. And uh, I love your takeaway on the, uh, on the excuse factor because... There isn't there there isn't one. That's all it is is a, is a let you off the hook type of thing, right? What, you don't have to take responsibility. What my life coach always says is, maybe it's you. <laughs> You're the I only think one. She wanted to say maybe fuck you. It is you, but, <laughs> but her book is titled Maybe It's You. Maybe it's you. <laughs> Man, listen, thank you so much. Uh, where do where do people find out more about what you're doing? Where Look, do they find you, can, you? I mean, obviously, you can just Google my name, right? Rastagar that's been up here, they've been looking at. Just type in Rastagar, Rastagar property, Ari Rastagar. As you know, it's uh, been very public what we've done. We've been in every major, major publication, which is, you know, still a little bit weird for a kid that, you know, was kind of, kind of scared of public speaking, you know, his whole life. But it's out there. You can find us. Our website is, you know, rastigarproperty.com. But find me on Instagram. Reach out. You know, I don't, I'm social media, not very uh, savvy to say the least. Uh, but um, if you reach out, 
you know, somebody will, will get back to you. And um, we have a lot of unbelievable opportunities we're working on. And um, if they want to be a part of the growth of Austin, we're on the bleeding edge of it and let us know. Man, that's awesome. And uh, I appreciate what you're doing for the communities that you guys go into and the way that your mindset is to help the people that need it the most and to provide those things. And so uh, I wish you the best of luck to complete your Thank goals. Thank you so much. Man. Thank you for having me. God bless you and your family, brother. You too. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker